Eternal mutts. Welcome to another episode of Cadaver Dogs Podcast. David is already laughing at me. It's going to be a fun episode today. <laughs> we have well, we a just... great guest. <laughs> I'm Devin Shepard. I'm David B. Jacobs. And we are Cadaver Dogs. And today we have Rekefit Abergel. Rekefit, I met at Nightmares Film Festival, which I know everyone on this pod had heard about. We were on a panel together about, um, what was the name of the panel? Actually. It was um, diversity in horror. I think was the. It's usually yeah. the diversity in horror panel. I don't know the official name, but that was the basic idea. That was the idea, and it was a really awesome panel. It was. Um, but Rakefit is a actress, writer, director, producer, all around everything human being. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unwilling producer. <laughs> Unwilling producer. <Yeah. laughs> But she has a um, a new horror short that she is writing, directing, starring in. Did I miss one on this one? Producing. Uh, producing. <laughs> Again, unwillingly. <laughs> <laughs> but we, yeah, we wanted to bring her on today to talk a little bit about the film and then also head into a deep conversation about horror mothers, which will be really fun. But Rekefe, I want to give the floor to you. Tell us a little bit about your film. I know this was the, you had written the script and it was at Nightmares in the Script Competition where you placed, which congratulations. I did. Play, <laughs> I placed second runner up, which was, uh, hey, my name was up there. I was very happy about it. The script actually changed a little bit since they had it. Um, because as we're in production, I'm realizing there's certain things that weren't clear and stuff. So it's it's always being rewritten. Yes, yeah, so still was there. Still, it's a horror movie for sure because it's about pregnancy loss, which is horrific in and of itself. But I would say it's not as horror as some horror movies can be. It's more of a dramatic psychological horror, I guess. We don't gatekeep here. Everything in okay, the good. in the realm is <laughs> like, horror. Yes, it, it's all horror. It's um, all horror. It's a, it's a very sad kind of horrific movie. So, in it, th there you go. Um, it's gonna have that hereditary feeling at the end when you're just like, Ooh. why? And the lodge where you're like, what did I just watch? <laughs> and people are not sure if they should clap. So I uh, I based the script on um, I had a miscarriage myself a couple of a year and a half ago something like that almost two years ago. And um, it was obviously a horrible experience as anyone who's been touched by one in some way knows. Um, and the story that, that I wrote is not my story. So it's not like what happened to me. It's more the feelings that I had around what happened to me that I needed to kind of express in some creative way to like make sense and meaning of why did this even happen. It all kind of happened so fast. I was pregnant and I was nervous and I was anxious and I was happy. And then it was just gone. <laughs> and so I felt like I had been on this roller coaster of emotions. And so that's what Still is really about. It's kind of um, a woman dealing with a life that she thought she was going to have and then realizing 
that she wasn't going to have it and that it was taken from her and how does she how does she go on yeah. and that's kind of what it's about i guess in in the big thematic sense no i have to applaud you i always find it like it, it really courageous courageous seems a little pedantic what's i don't but like i i, I find it really it. yeah like to write about something that was so hard for you to go through and make it I mean, you're doing everything for this film. So it's like such a personal piece for you. Yeah. What's, what's hot. I mean, yes. When I, when it happened to me, I posted about it on social media, which some people were like, why? (laughs) But for me, I really needed to talk about it and I needed to like tell people how I felt like it was just really important and I needed to make it real somehow. It felt like maybe it almost felt like a, a dream that like, like it never happened. Um, Mm -hmm. after a while because it had happened kind of so quickly that like I had all this it just all happened so fast Um, and then when I posted about it a lot of people came out of I mean every part of my life to tell me that somehow it had happened to them or touched them in some way their sister their wife their brother their brother's family their whoever Um, some of the women who were telling me that it happened to them and it happened to them years ago and they never even talked about it because it was especially at a time when it was extra taboo, even more than now, which it still is to talk about. And I realized that it's so very common and nobody's talking about it. Like the more I look into it, I realize some people are talking about it, but it's not reaching. It was not reaching me. Uh, That's for sure. So I felt really alone in my feelings about it. And there was a lot of guilt. And maybe I shouldn't have gone to the gym that day. And maybe I'm not good enough to be a mother. And maybe the universe thinks that's not right for me. And, you know, all of this, like all of these like really negative self-talk things that are obviously not true and have nothing to do with anything. But I realized that there were so many people that felt that way. And it made me feel better to know that I wasn't just like crazy or like, you know, really extra hard on myself. And so I felt like it was important to make this to start conversations because if it goes to festivals, which obviously I hope it does, um, there's Q and A's, right? And there's a time to have these conversations and maybe even with the script being out there in the festival circuit, people were coming up to me who had read it and telling me their stories. And I just thought, oh my God, this is like something that people I think will really relate to because it is so common. And also maybe it will encourage people to talk about it more and not make it such a taboo subject. Like, you know, it's about women's health and it's also about death. So those are two things that nobody ever wants to talk about. Um, but should. But should. A quarter of all women or something will miscarry? It's, it's one in four, but that's actually before 35 years old. I was 42 when mm. it happened. And after 40, it's like 90%. It's like 85%. It's, it's like crazy. an obscene number. Way higher than you think about. Yeah. And obviously, it's happening a lot. Um, to some people, unfortunately, it's happening numerous times, which I cannot even imagine. I mean, I've met people who were like, I had 12 miscarriages. Oh, my and I just, Lord. I don't know how you go on. <laughs> just yeah, like for truly. me, the one was like hor- horrifying. But just because it's common, which is something that people had said to me, does not make it easier, better, more palatable in some way. And the film also addresses stuff that people say to you that is very well-meaning and well-intentioned, but unfortunately comes out feeling like judgmental yeah. or, or something in some way. 
if you have a miscarriage, then the first six months when you're still grieving, people are like, oh, well, if you try again right away, maybe this time it'll that's work. That's like, right. Or yeah, they're that's all, so oh, you can try again. Or you have two healthy children, which I don't. But I'm saying, or like so, some people say that to people yeah. who have children. Oh, well, you have two healthy children. Okay, but what does that have to do with the grieving that I'm feeling about the one that I didn't get to have? Right. Or that I was looking forward to having. Yeah, it's a real form of grief. Exactly. And in the film, the main character that I play, she finds a baby in the forest miraculously. That's how she ends up with this child. And it kind of has like a little bit of a fantasy feel in the beginning. And she starts taking care of this child. And then the child goes missing at the park. And this mother comes up to her and is like, it's okay, you can try again. It happens all the time. And you, if a, it was a real live child that you lost in the park, nobody in the world would come up to you and say, it's okay, you can try again. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it happens all the time. It's really common. Don't worry about it. And so I'm like, just because this baby wasn't born doesn't mean that it's still not the same loss. You know, it's still not the same feeling of like, oh, this didn't happen. Totally. And I think that's what makes this such an enticing draw to the storylines in horror, yeah. which is, and I, I'm really excited to hear you guys' choices for today. I'm going to introduce the topic. We'll go through our top and then um, Rekhefet will give you time at the end to tell us how people can be supporting still your film. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that story. So now I'm going to awkwardly transition into the actual topic of today's episode. We're going to go through our top three horror mothers. Now that can mean anything. I don't know what you guys chose. There's so many different <laughs> options here. I'm running the whole gamut. Oh, yeah. So we're going to go round robin, starting with our number threes. Rakefit, I'll throw it to you first. Who is your third top horror mother? Oh, gosh, it was so hard to pick because, again, I could go so many different ways. But um, I this was a film I recently saw called The Gift um, with Rebecca Hall, I think her name is, and Jason Bateman. (laughs) Yes. It was terrifying (laughs) to me. Um, And again, it's more the psychological horror, which I love that. I just love that genre specifically. And, you know, she was a mother who was protecting her daughter from somebody who she was very frightened of in her past. I just love the creepiness of it. And I, I love her. And she was so great in Resurrection, which was my other top my other third it was like a <laughs> yeah it was like I wasn't sure <laughs> it's so interesting because when you're describing her character in this I was like wait that sounds exactly like her character in resurrection it too right it's almost kind <laughs> of the same movie <laughs> in a lot of ways but um maybe she's just maybe that's something she's trying to work out personally the actress you know like she's like drawn to that type of um, story. But yeah, it's very similar in a lot of ways to, to Resurrection. Um, but I just think she's such a strong, she's just, she was a strong mom. And I, I liked, I just, that's why I picked her and that yeah. film. Anything she's in, I'm down. I'm so down. Right? It's it's interesting. So I watched, um, this is a non-horror movie, so I apologize. I watched The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood for the first oh, time yes. last night, <laughs> which is also a mom movie. But when you're describing that and thinking about like these other horror mothers, I do see like motherhood and like mother to child or even like parent to child really such a great way to explore like past traumas too, right? It's like when right, you like have a child. Right, like intergenerational yeah, it's like looking at the future, but also like looking at your past and seeing how your past can affect your future, which is, I, I mean, that's always something so hard that I think we go through as we as we grow older. It's like, 
How are we changing? How are we fucking up everybody else in our lives from every, the way that we were fucked up in our past? Yeah. I mean, had it, I don't know if we had expanded to television or not, but I would also say uh, Yellow Jackets. Uh, oh, God, what's her name jackets. now? Um, uh, Melanie Linsky's character? Thank you, Melanie Linsky. Yes. yes. Her, character, her character, her mother. Shauna. And, yeah, Shauna. Like, and her with her daughter and their whole thing and that speaks to i think that intergenerational kind of you know it's this trauma that just keeps giving <laughs> yeah just you just trauma reminded me just of that the new episode is out i love it it's so good it's so good i love it but yeah back to rebecca hall um i i definitely prefer resurrection i think Bevan and i disagree it's better it's movies. a better film. oh yeah it's a better um, film for sure i was not a fan at all yeah <laughs> Uh, she she's excellent and she's fantastic in these movies uh yeah david actually now that now that you're on why don't you give us your your number three top top <laughs> horror mother uh so my number three is um maybe a bit of an out there choice uh, although i think you might have seen the movie um it is pamela from ginger snaps uh played by oh. mimi rogers <laughs> so i i don't think i saw that but i love the so, title <laughs> <laughs> this is a werewolf movie. Um, it's uh, it's two teenage girls, Ginger and Bridget. Ginger and Bridget are two sisters. Ginger is bitten by a werewolf and is transforming into a werewolf. And Bridget is like trying to pull her back to reality and cling on to the, the sisterly bond that they used to have. And, you know, it's also like a big metaphor for puberty Coming and all of that as well. Yeah. yeah. But obviously she's a werewolf, so a lot of fucked up shit is happening. And Pamela, their mother, is like this very sort of soccer mom, somewhat conservative mother. She's clearly at odds with her kids who are like super into like death and dying. And the mom just feels so out of connection with them the entire time. And then when she realizes what's going on, when she uncovers all these murders and shit her immediate reaction is you've done a terrible thing but you're my babies and then oh. she says uh tomorrow i'm going to put up the gas in the house and light a match and we're all gonna run off and we're just gonna make this right we're gonna run away together it'll be fine it's like, what the i was just like what wow. that's fuck? amazing <laughs> just seeing this complete 180 of this character just in the desire to protect her children like even if you are a murderer i am still going to protect you yeah i mean that reminds me of pamela Voorhees, right <laughs> like jason yeah. right? i mean when i heard pamela i'm like oh he's gonna say jason because that was my other one of my other choices but i was not i now, realized but... As yeah. I said oh, yeah, it, but that right. was what you would think. <laughs> I mean, she murdered people to protect her son. So, spoiler alert, Friday oh, the 9th, sorry. Um, but yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I hope our listeners have seen that movie. Or at least know know the twist at this point. Oh, we can cut it out. I mean, if you don't know by now... I, I will like... shame them if they don't know it. It's okay. That is the one I will shame. <laughs> if, I, if I know it, then it, it means everybody should know it because I know nothing. So if I know it... It's it's out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if it's spoiled in the first five minutes of Scream, then it's fine. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's I like that. Ginger Snaps. I have to check that out. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's an one. excellent movie. I love that one, David. I, I feel like every mother probably comes to this point in their lives where they're like, 
okay, how do I have to change to protect my kids? Or do I like go on um, yeah. living this kind of like life that I'm in or just like this norm, I don't know, normal fantasy life where like you can ignore what your kids are turning into. I'm not sure. Yeah, I see that a lot in films is that turning point from others. What was that TV show that just was out? Oh, The Patient with Steve Carell. Oh, I haven't seen um, it yet. Oh, I saw oh. the trailers. Mm, I don't know if I can say much without giving it away, but there is a mother in that who is also, you're like, why would you protect this person doing these horrible things? It's because you're a mother. And I feel like, I feel like a mother, if you really love your child, I don't think there's anything that you could do that that kid could do that would stop that mother from trying to protect their child. Right. It just changes things and completely changes your outlook on life too as a mother, like how you view other people. I feel like Dahmer, they explored it a little bit in Dahmer with like the father relationship with Jeffrey Dahmer, which I found really Mm -hmm. interesting of like, yeah, what happens when your son is a awful serial killer and how do you like, how does your reality change around that? It's occurring to me now that all of my picks are going to fit into that theme. Yes, great, perfect. Hmm, what does this say about David? Oh. Let us look back. Oh. But see the patient, see the patient. If you oh, like man. that theme, okay. definitely see the patient. Great. Okay, cool. Good show. David likes that theme. We'll go next. <laughs> you like Apparently. that theme. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my number three, I did also a horror adjacent. It is directed by Jennifer Kent, who did The Babadook. So I I figured, oh yeah, David, it is the Nightingale. Have you seen this film? Oh, I haven't seen that. This film is like the most fucked up thing ever. It is so empowering and hard to watch at the same time. But it's essentially all about this woman who her baby is murdered, which is like literally the hardest scene I've ever had to watch in a movie before it was hard um and um other things happened as well but i don't really want to get into those details but essentially the whole film is a a revenge film she like goes out on a journey to take revenge upon the killer of her child and along the way just it's an emotional journey but i wanted to put her in there because i think well one it is empowering but two i think we always when something so horrible happens like watching your child die or we all want to like believe that we will be that person that will take a revenge and that we to will have something. the power yeah exactly to not just like crumble and fall and like go into a deep depression which obviously happens but you want to be able to like live your life again after that eventually it was a really powerful film to watch i'm going to keep saying powerful that's okay um it is. but yeah it is <laughs> that's an amazing amazing beautiful movie now i want to see it even though i'm terrified because i like i can't imagine having to watch it's that, it will fuck it's you it's very Sounds hard good. to watch um even knowing the trigger warning, I got to a point in the movie where I was like, okay, well, now that part has passed, so now I'm good. And then it just keeps on fucking happening. Um, <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's definitely a lot. Yeah. And it also at the same time explores just what it meant to be a woman. It's a period piece. It takes place uh, in the 1820s in Australia, I, I think believe. it's Tasmania. Yes. Tasmania. It also has a lot to say about imperialism. Um, the other main character is an indigenous uh, Tasmanian 
And um, it's I think it's the only movie to have that specific indigenous language on film. Oh, wow. And, and it, it talks a lot about like the genocide of the indigenous people there and how it impacts him. Uh, she herself is an Irish. Um, what did they call her? Because they didn't refer to her as a slave, but she's an indentured servant um, mm. that basically she was caught stealing a loaf of bread. So now she is forced to serve them. She's basically a slave. And all of these things are real. And then it's also is her and the indigenous man, the conflicts between them and slowly realizing that they're in the same boat, that they're both being like devastated by these English imperialists who are like the most evil fucking people ever. It's a powerful, powerful movie and it's beautiful. It's surprisingly a little bit hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, it gets there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a note on my film. People didn't think it was hopeful enough. And I was like, there's nothing hopeful about it. I'm sorry. I just don't, I'm not gonna, for me, that wasn't, I didn't need that ending. I was like, no, yeah. I need it to be what it was. Not, there is hope later on, but in this moment in time, it's okay to not have some hope. I think that's fair. Cause talking about grief, that's the last thing you want to hear when you're grieving is like, oh, it'll get like better. there's hope it'll get better. Like, yeah, okay, like, but it okay. sucks now. Right. Like, can exactly. I, can I, can you please like acknowledge my reality of it right. sucks and like I it's hard for me to see past that right now right right yeah um anyway this conversation is definitely gonna have its ups and downs today I do <laughs> so I'm glad I could bring it down for a little bit um Kevin, let's go back to you what was your second top okay horror mother? I'm gonna get shit for this but <laughs> I don't care okay um twilight breaking dawn part one <laughs> yes i love i'll give it twilight. to you i am a huge <laughs> twilight fan i don't care about all of the naysayers i don't care i love it i love it i love it i read all the books a hundred times not a hundred but at least three each the movies some of them are not great but in twilight breaking dawn part one uh, kristen stewart's character is pregnant and is giving birth to a half vampire baby. Spoiler alert. I don't know if that's a spoiler at this point either. The vampire baby. <laughs> the vampire no. baby is amazing. I think it's a spoiler, <laughs> but if you've seen it, then you, you if you want to see it, you've seen it by now. And if you don't want to see it, then you're never going to you see care? it. So it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Right. <laughs> so basically, like, she goes into labor and this baby is killing her. I mean, they have to get it. It's like basically feeding off of her blood from the inside and it's killing her. And she, you know, at any moment they could try to, you know, kill the baby or whatever to try to save her life. And she refuses to let them do that. And that's why she was my number two pick because I think that's, that's a mother through and through where they're like, even if I'm in peril or my life is in danger, you save this baby. That's what I care about. Yeah. You know, the baby should live. And if I die, I die. But like you pick the baby if you're going to have to pick one. And, you know, she endures this horrible labor. Um it almost kills her and you know luckily there's vampires around to save her but, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but let's be real um like that happens to most women when they have when they give birth right it's like right there there's usually it's, that moment of 
hey, I could die. And a lot of women do die. Pregnancy is actually incredibly dangerous. And people don't realize because it's like it happens all the time, right? And we, but it's actually like a very life threatening condition. It's very dangerous. And a lot of people don't make it. <laughs> like it's more yeah. than, you know, that was a lot of my anxiety when I was pregnant was like, oh my God, I could get this, I could get that, this could happen, this could happen, you know, like this could be the thing that kills me, you know, and like this thing is growing inside me and it's who knows what's going to happen. Also, if if it was between the mother and the baby, I mean, at least in every movie I've ever seen, the mom always says, choose the baby. Of course, the dad's like, I choose you, you're my love, (laughs) who cares about the baby? Um, But the mom is like, no, (laughs) like, I'm always going to choose my child over me. Not all mothers, but I would say most mothers. Yeah. And so early on too, you know, you've only been a mother for nine months, maybe at that point. And, but you already have this connection and, and I think it's, yeah, it's also like a, I'm sure it's some innate, you know, primal thing to want to keep your child alive for evolutionary purposes too. You know, like, it's just like, you you want your seed to continue you know or whatever and like you know continue populating the planet or whatever i don't know we need more vampire babies this is uh, we just need a bunch of vampire babies right does that work if vampires usually are undead and they don't a would the baby be a Hmm. so the baby is technically half the baby is half human, half vampire. So it's half dead. If a vampire were to <laughs> bite the baby, would it turn into a full vampire? That is a good question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a vampire isn't a genetic thing. A vampire is like a disease of some sort. So then it shouldn't, you shouldn't, half vampire doesn't, that would be like saying you have half AIDS or something. I know, you're <laughs> right. It is weird. Well, the, David the is referencing thing. our old episode on, on vampire AIDS in the 80s, guys. This is, oh. this is where not, that's coming from. We do have that episode. <laughs> yes. I mean, it makes sense. It's, it is a good question. I, yeah, I don't know. I was initially reading, maybe just from projection, I was initially reading as like pro choice that she is choosing to have the baby, but is it actually pro life? In a sense, it kind of is because it's like she's not willing to have an abortion, right? Or like to get rid of the baby in order to. So for sure, yeah, there definitely is like I think a pro-life thing. But if she chooses, that's pro-choice. I mean, it it depends on execution. It depends on execution. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's her choice. So because I technically am pro-choice, but I'm personally pro-life right like I wouldn't I don't think I would ever have an abortion not because they're wrong just because it's not for me but I would never tell somebody else that they can't have an abortion they should absolutely if they want to have to need to go for it have an abortion I just so I think as long as there's a choice in there um then it's still pro-choice even though it's it's choosing life which is why i don't like the term pro-life because that's like saying people who are pro-choice are against babies living and it's like no we're just saying that it's not your decision to decide who lives and who dies it's the person who's carrying the baby the pro-lifers very precisely chose their title in order to straw man argument the the opposition sure to make (laughs) it like oh you want to kill babies and we want to keep them alive and i'm like well i also want to keep them alive but not at the peril (laughs) and the danger of the mother if the mother doesn't want that or can't have it or whatever like no one is pro 
pro-abortion. Right. I don't think so. I don't think. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I hope not. Well, um, yeah, some people are. Yeah. There's lots of things I don't agree with that happen in the world. <laughs> that's not. That's not my decision. You're also allowed to like something that you disagree with on an ethical level. Like we we've had this discussion before on the podcast where. There are movies where, as we analyze them, we're like, I disagree with what this movie is saying, but I still like the movie. Um, right. Like, for me, that would be The Conjuring. I like The Conjuring. I think it's a good movie. I disagree with everything it has to say. I, like, I the message doesn't vibe Politics are shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's completely historical revisionism. <laughs> sure. Oh, boy, yeah. But yeah. That's, that's allowed. <laughs> well i'm gonna move us on um yes, <laughs> from vampire babies and <laughs> abortions um david w- what was your number two top horror mother well talking about uh r- religious radicals um <laughs> uh this is going to be margaret white as portrayed by piper laurie in carrie um, okay I, i'm gonna have to say right now that is also my number two really <laughs> okay great <laughs> yeah oh, wow. in keeping with the theme we've established of mothers who find out that their child has done some terrible shit piper laurie has the opposite reaction as pamela <laughs> <laughs> Margaret would be very happy with letting Carrie perish for her, her crimes, which you could argue Margaret is largely responsible for, as I would argue. See, yes, David and I have very different readings of this film. And I, I'm going to have to say the reason why I put uh, Margaret White as my number two is because I I find her as a mother, as a woman living in this really hard guilty world she's a very pious woman she's very very religious and she has this guilt of and this is a different reading that both david and i had but having sex with carrie's father you know some saw as sexual assault or some saw as like consensual sex that's really like i think the question of reading the film but either way margaret has this this guilt of having sex in the in the first place and having that sex then birth a a child and having a physical form um, to remind her of the constant sin that she is living in, which I find fascinating. And yeah, she is not okay. And she is a horrible woman. But I think like exploring <laughs> that was what makes it really interesting for me and why she is my number two, because she's just such a fascinating character and terrifying. She gives me so many nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> and she's thoroughly convinced that what she's doing is right from beginning to end yeah she never wavers in her beliefs not even once not even like a slight hesitation she is committed to her extreme beliefs when carrie has puberty and is just like uh menstruates for the first time margaret white is like yo you shouldn't be doing that it's like, what, what are you talking about? This is a bodily function. You like, can't control it, Margaret. Stop it. You stop your period right now. Horrible. Well, she's so, but she's so afraid because the second that Carrie gets her period, she's then, you know, sexually active, sexually attractive to men. That's what it means, you know? And like, right. yeah. after Margaret went through that experience, you know, she sees it in her daughter, which is kind of touching, I guess. In a fucked up way. In a fucked up way. (laughs) She also didn't tell Carrie about what was going to happen as she got older. So Carrie's response when she she menstruates for the first time, 
obviously, is to be completely horrified and think she's, like, dying or something, because... What would you think if you didn't know that was going to happen? Honestly, that's right. a lot of girls who are not being told what's going to happen. That's their response. Because what else would you respond to if you suddenly looked down and there's blood everywhere? It's like the craziest. If you didn't know what it was, it must be terrifying. Thank terrifying. God I had like seven copies of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret when I was a kid. But, <laughs> like, every, when I turned 11, everyone kept buying me that book. I mean, I literally had multiple copies of it. It was like, here, 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 read the book. Which is so funny because that's the way that women talk to each Mothers talk to daughters or like older women talk to younger women about it. It's like, I'm not going to talk about it personally, but uh, here, right. read this. But here's yeah. this book that actually was written in the 60s and pads don't have belts anymore. So none of this makes sense to you at all in the 80s like you know like stuff like that. it's like right. old-fashioned you know meanwhile they're handing you know you got tampons and they're like there's no tampons in this book I don't even know what a tampon is I don't know how to use one like you need to give me an updated version <laughs> we need such better sex education in this fucking country we, yeah sure. sex um, education but also women's health too like that all fun yes. falls under I mean we were talking about that a little bit in the beginning but let's just like Jesus Christ. And like health of the opposite gender as well. Like I think I was uh 28 or something when someone finally told me like, oh, I don't respond well to the birth control pill because it makes my body think that I'm pregnant and my body has a really horrible reaction to it. I'm just like, wait, it does what now? Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't no even idea. know. You don't even know. I mean, there are, they do this in like on the street interview with guys and like guys didn't realize that we don't pee out of the same hole that, <laughs> that out, of, out of our vaginas. It's like that there's another hole. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you I had to learn about? that from sex in the city. I was like, wait, <laughs> right? I should know that. I, but you should know, but it's like, why would you if nobody really specifically told you and you don't really know? And and but then these are the same people who are legislating women's health in like the world and they don't even yeah. know this about the anatomy of a woman and you're like you get to like you know like telling someone they can't have an abortion at six weeks it's like you don't even know you're pregnant at six weeks six weeks is nothing you're not even like you don't even know you might not even test positive yet at six weeks right like like please educate yourself and then we can educate and educate everybody and then we can have these discussions right and then let's talk about it there's a moment in this is not a horror movie but it's an excellent movie called uh never rarely sometimes always mm. there's oh, a moment in that movie yes. it's about a girl a teenager who gets pregnant and her state i think you need parents permission to get an right. abortion and her parents won't give it so she and her friend skip to new york to get an abortion and i remember the the moment that jumps out at me is when in new york she's being examined and they tell her oh you're three months pregnant and she's like what they told me i was two months pregnant yeah well you're three months pregnant and then i like it went over my head and then i was talking to someone after i'm like why what what, what was up with that did they just not know and it's like oh no they knew they lied because they knew she was going to skip state and if they told her the wrong time frame then it would be too late right and i'm right. like that is fucked up Right. Uh, it's extremely fucked up. I mean, not only that, like, I don't even think I really understood until I was pregnant that day one is not the day that you find out you're pregnant. Day one is actually the first day of your last period. So you're actually pregnant oh, yeah. before you're even pregnant. 
before you've conceived, (laughs) that's included. It's like the time period is included before you've even conceived. So like before I even became pregnant, I was that time is still included in the time that you're pregnant. So before I get so, my next period, that those weeks would count towards my weeks of whether correct. or not I can have an abortion. That is correct. fucked up. Right. That's why I'm saying that six weeks, it's so too early because six weeks is actually only one month since your period plus two weeks of being pregnant. It's really only two weeks of actually being pregnant. So you have two weeks to decide if you're going to have an abortion or not. And you don't even know most people are, don't even know they're pregnant at that point. I don't think I knew until I was almost seven weeks. Oh my gosh. And it's sickening because people who don't even know now have no chance to do anything about it. And not only that, they're being tried for murder. Like It's like not even like in some of these states, like they're telling you it's, a, it's, it's manslaughter, you know, or it's whatever. And it's just like, you know, or if you have a it's miscarriage, absurd. some people are legislating against that. Like as if that was your choice, right? As if having a miscarriage is the same as having an abortion, which it is, which it is not, there's no choice in the matter. So that's not even the same thing. It's crazy. Like, and the more I looked into it, the more I was like, what the, it is what? a mess. You know how many people, we just talked about how many people have miscarriages. Like, uh, why don't you yeah. treat the the issues, which would be like, hey, what's going on in these women's bodies that may be causing this? Or like, let's explore women's health a little bit more and get a little funding and like try to figure some things out. We still don't have fucking cures for UTIs and shit like that. Like, we don't even have, uh, I mean, like, is- it's insane. It's insane. You know, it's insanity. <laughs> well, um... <laughs> Wow. We're learning a lot here on Cadaver Dogs today. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know this was going to be a women's health podcast today, but that's what we're doing. We're spreading information. Look at what bringing up Carrie gets us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. By the way, quick plug, we do have an episode on Carrie. Um, oh, nice. From like a year ago. <laughs> yes, yes. So if you do want to hear more about where David and I defer or our readings on that specific character, please go back and listen to that. I think we paired it with um, yes. The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to take us to our last one out here. Our favorite or top is really the word here. Our top horror mother, uh, Rakefit, please. Okay. Um. <laughs> Again, I had a really hard time deciding because there's so many ones for so many different reasons. But um, this one really struck me. It was the mom played by Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place. Yes. Um, Because she is not only pregnant during an apocalypse, running from monsters where she can't make sound, um, and then goes into labor when she can't make a single noise which and she steps on a nail on the way down to having remember that like I oh remember my god being yeah so tense during that scene I thought if she makes one grunt one meep you know like she's dead and I just know that like you know labor is a time when you don't really have a choice as to whether you make noise or not <laughs> I think um and to have to do that in utter silence by yourself I cannot even imagine and to me that was just the most horrifying thing and also made her the baddest the baddest ass mother <laughs> yes I could imagine for even being able to do it I feel like that's supernatural 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, is that even possible? I mean, not to get too graphic, <laughs> but I was only a few weeks pregnant. And when I had the miscarriage, I went into actual labor with contractions. Oh, I was in the hospital. Mm. You cannot control the sounds coming out of your mouth. I mean, I was making noises I've never heard myself make before because I was in so much pain, like the most pain I've ever felt in my whole life. And I was only like eight weeks, nine weeks. I wasn't very far along. Oh my gosh. Um, but your body is trying to expel this thing that is not growing properly. And it does what it needs to do to make that happen. And I didn't want to take any pain medicine because I wasn't sure that that was what was happening. Because they were telling me, we don't know if it's okay or not. This could be normal. And so they're like, we can give you pain medicine, but that will affect the preg. You know, you don't want to take anything when you're pregnant. So I kept telling them I don't want anything. And so I was completely drugless, screaming oh my for my, and it was, it was horrible. And I went on for two days. So, so when I see that, I think, I don't even know if I could have done that. Right. It's somewhat unrealistic. I don't know if it's possible, but it was a, it was a pretty badass thing to do in a movie. I don't know. That seems really badass. Even like just giving labor by yourself, like is how... even by yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and like, and like we said, so many women die too, right, in childbirth. Like right, especially to... not in a yeah. hospital, not with doctors, not oh with anybody gosh. who can help you or get you anywhere. And these apocalyptic pregnancies you know like yeah to be like even pregnant during the apocalypse yeah. well and that yeah. i think that's what makes her character also so fascinating is like she gets pregnant i, I believe this timeline is correct she gets pregnant in the apocalypse like after the right. creatures are already here which like right. it's an unsaid storyline in the film that you know she probably is also struggling with all just the fear of bringing a baby into this world in the first place or being pregnant in the first place like i kind of wish the movie had focused on that more honestly. i know <laughs> yeah but like to be that mother and to go through that fear every single day of this unborn child having to enter into a world that she knows is awful and it could die the second that it leaves her i mean actually you know what maybe probably not too far from the reality of life right now yeah um i know in in a quiet place a lot of people complained about like oh she got pregnant during the apocalypse why would she do that and oh god it's like i this just honestly this just goes into our needing better sex education because like guys it's post-apocalypse they don't have birth control and what the fuck are they gonna do abort how do you abort? She would die. Right. And it's not like, oh, people aren't going to have sex. Of course they're going to have sex. People have been having sex since the beginning of time. That's never going to end. I'm sure they didn't have access to condoms so easily either. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if so, they're not 100% effective. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not 100%. And like, you cannot do like some abortion in the middle of a fucking apocalypse. Oh my God. Yeah, that would be another thing. Sorry. I also just thought about, could you imagine having like an IUD in the apocalypse and oh having God. to take that out after? Oh my God. No. You're welcome. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, everything in the apocalypse sounds terrible, but like pregnancy for some reason seems like the most horrific of all because it's just, you're so. Right. I agree. It's the most terrifying thing that could happen in the apocalypse. <laughs> I think so. I can't think of something more terrifying. <laughs> so, long story short, Emily Blunt should have been the main character of A Quiet Place. Honestly, <laughs> yes. I would have rather watched that movie. <laughs> but, yeah. but that scene, that's the only scene I really remember from the whole movie because it was so impactful and terrifying to yeah. me. Yeah. And part two, like, they had the opportunity to make her the main character and said so they just 
introduced a different boring dude. Yeah. But she well, is badass in the second one as well. She is. Yeah, she yeah. continues. Uh, yeah. Okay, David, I'll throw it to you for your top horror mother. You know exactly what I'm going to say, Devin. <laughs> well, no, I thought it was going to be Margaret White. So I'm, yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. No, it's going to be Rosemary Woodhouse, Rosemary's Baby. Oh, oh I'm, I'm dumb. I did know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not the first time that Rosemary has, has topped one of my lists. I also put Mia Farrow for the best horror performances. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what more is there to say? This is like my favorite movie. Again, it's a mother finding out that her child is spoiler. <laughs> the literal antichrist. Um, but that's only like the very end. All the stuff leading up to that is her embracing her motherhood and standing up for herself, asserting her independence specifically because she has to in order to protect her child. Uh, it's set in the 60s. A lot of it is about the women's issues of then when it was like, would that have been the first wave feminism or would have been before first wave feminism? I think you know what? is. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. <laughs> Bad <don't> feminists. Know. <laughs> I, <don't> know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there's so many waves at this point. I know. And there's no such thing as a bad feminist. But that's <laughs> true. That's that true. Term. But uh, no, you're right. That that was the wrong. Yeah, that's fair. Cut that. Um, <laughs> no. Um, but that seems to be like a running theme with a lot of the pregnancy horror that I was looking at is this idea that this thing growing inside of them is bad or a demon yeah. or mm. the devil or trying to kill them or trying to kill somebody else or making you kill somebody. And I thought that was a really interesting theme that just kept coming up every single one I looked at. Yeah. The ones that didn't do that, I was more drawn to because I was like, okay, a different take on this pregnancy thing versus just being like this baby is this bad thing. But unfortunately, well, a lot of those films are made by men. Um, yes. So that's interesting too, that they're maybe afraid of this baby coming into their life and destroying their life, right? Like, that's a really good point but like i feel like if women made it the ones that women made are do not tend to fall into that trap it's more about mm. other types like stillborn for instance which i looked into is about mm. twins one that was born dead and one that was born alive and then she has this feeling that this evil entity is coming for her second child her live child and that's a real fear that a woman might have if she lost one of her babies mm -hmm you would be constantly worried that something horrible was going to happen to the to the next one, right? And so I feel like that's very much coming from a, a female perspective, although I don't even know if it was a female director, so I could be talking out of my butt. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I just think it's interesting that a lot of these movies made by men about pregnancy are all about the baby either trying to kill somebody or or they're just bad or evil or the Antichrist and and men maybe being afraid that this baby is going to ruin their life in some way. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It reminds me a lot of um, it's Oedipus, right? The fear of right. your son basically having. Yeah, killing you, having sex with your wife, replacing right. you. Yeah, it's like, OK, my child's going to be the Antichrist. Uh, it's going to be the death of me. It's going to be the death of humanity. It's going to change my partner. Um, in every way. Yeah, I can definitely see that being a 
a male fantasy. Yeah. And it's just really interesting that like, there's so many of those. And I feel like there's got to be some other angle we can come at these movies from. (laughs) Yeah. Other than the baby being bad. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. But David, I do. I do agree that like Rosemary's baby doesn't in a way that it it is relatable for the female experience. But it's empowering for her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's so interesting to me about Polanski's movies in relation to the fact that he is absolutely a disgusting, horrible person, it almost feels like his movies are like a form of repentance in some way that he is not identifying like like if you identify Polanski as one of the characters in the movie, he's the husband. He's not Rosemary. He's the the horrible evil villain. <laughs> it's very weird kind of like he he seems to just link into that psych and like recognize that this is such a terrible thing being done to this woman. Yes, Polanski did several bad things but like looking at when this film was made i mean it It was before any of those things as far as we know i think you're looking at it with a future lens too is like well at that time he he was about to become a father so right you know it, it is looking at what his viewpoints are and um his relationship with sharon at that time and and i'm sure putting her into into um rosemary a little bit as well uh i think i forget if he try to get Sharon Tate the role. I remember Sharon Tate wanted to play Rosemary, but I forget what happened to that. She's also the one who brought him the book. She's the one who showed Polanski the book and said, read this. You should make this into a movie. So I think Sharon Tate may have had a stronger creative voice in that movie than we give her credit for, but it's hard to say precisely. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to end this on the Rosemary's baby point there. Um, because that is a beautiful sentiment and I'll, I'll I'll give my number one and then we can wrap up here. This has been such a good conversation <laughs> that I'm like, no, keep talking. But my number one, I threw in a fun one. It is Mama, Mama which is the Andy Muschietti uh, movie from like, what, 2013? Yeah, you've rushed this one before as well and I still haven't seen it. I know. I'm like one of the few that really <laughs> enjoyed this film, I think because it is it's a horror, but it's it's really, really a fantasy I'm not putting in Jessica Chastain's character. I'm putting in the actual creature of Mama because the creature design is so fucking cool. And I think the creature performance is so amazing. Um, it's done by Javier Botet, who is a great, like another Doug Jonesy type of character. He's in It. He's in a bunch of um, horror movies, mainly Spanish horror, because he works with Andy a lot. But I, I just love the creature design so much and it creeped me out. And there's something about this character. So the story um, is these two girls lose their parents and this dark entity adopts them, this dark creature. And um, I think they lived in the woods for a little bit with this creature and the, it did take care of them. It was their mother for for some time. And come on, this creature that doesn't know these little girls isn't even human isn't even the same like breed as these two little girls decided, you know what? I'm going to take care of them and I'm going to adopt them because they need a home. That's sweet. And I'm going to love them (laughs) so much that no one else can touch them or they will die. (laughs) Come on. That's very mothering. Very mothering. Very creepy. I don't know. I had to put in a fun one that was a little (laughs) different. (laughs) I want to watch that. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, that was our intense discussion on mothers in horror that also ended up being 
women's health and um, political and abortion politics. But look, I mean, that's what this podcast is all about. Like we talk about how horror represents these things um, and and does talk about these things in the theme of horror. So like it it all really very well fits. And I mean, that's why we wanted Rakefit on as well, because her film also touches so much on these as well. Rakefit, remind us all again where people can go find your film, how they can support your film. I know it's crowdfunding right now. Please tell our audiences where they can find you. Yes. Okay. Um, you can find me on Facebook. You, if you look up, uh, if you do facebook.com slash still a short film, you'll find our page. We're on Seed and Spark, which I'm sure the link will be included. We'll put that in the show notes as well as everybody. Yeah. We're crowdfunding. We're, we're almost at the green light. We're like 13% away from the green light, which would be great so that we don't lose what we've already raised. Um, but, but we need the full amount to make yes. the movie. <laughs> That's not going to be enough. Even the full amount is not enough, but it's at least the minimum that we need. And you're only a few days away from wrapping that up, right? Like you have until what, the tw- the 24th? We have um, until April 24th, I think it is, or 26th. Anyway, it's coming very soon. <laughs> Even if we're at our 100%, I'm telling you, we need more because of after the credit card fees and everything that they take out of it. It's more. not even the amount that it's supposed to be. So. Even if we're at 100%, please keep giving. It's not enough, I promise you. And none of it's going like in my pocket. I'm not getting paid for anything and I'm doing three of the major jobs of directing, producing, (laughs) writing, and acting. I'm not making a penny. None of it is budgeted to me at all. Not even a little bit. We are also, I'm going to be making a a donation in the amount of 5% of whatever we raise. So whatever the total is at the very end. 5% the equivalent of 5% of that I'm going to be making a donation to pregnancy loss support groups child loss support groups and stuff and I can send you guys a few links to add there are resources for women and men who are affected by this couples that are affected by this Um, infertility is a big thing also so hopefully you can give to us and help us and support us but also you'll be and you'll end up giving back also to people who are actually suffering from these kinds of traumas. Yeah, you can find, we're on Instagram at Cyclamen Films. I'm at Kef827. Yeah, those will also be in the description. Yeah, on, on, and honestly, I know people say this, but I really, really mean it. Any amount helps. Even if you can only give $5 or 10 bucks, great. Give us the five or 10 bucks. That helps us. <laughs> if everybody on my friends list gave me five bucks, we'd have like a lot of money. I can't do the math in my head, um, but it would be a lot. It makes a difference. It does add up. I'd rather you give me five than do nothing. Also, if you really, really, really can't spare any money, please just share the link, tell people about it, especially women um, who've been affected by this. this those are the people I really want to reach because those are the people I want to see this. Because ultimately, I want this film to be something that if somebody were to say to me, wow, that must have been terrible. What did that feel like? I want them, I want to hand them the DVD and be like, this is how it feels. This is how it felt to me. Like, this is the visual representation of what I felt. Um, So that maybe that can help somebody feel more understood or, or whatever. I think that's it. I think that was all of it. <laughs> and everyone, I mean, y- you listen to this podcast because this is this is why you like horror, or at least a portion of why you like horror. It's because of these stories, because of the reflection they are of real life traumas. Like, please 
like help continue these stories being told. This is one of them. This is your opportunity to to get it made. So really do check out that link or just share it. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your story as well as like all these. I mean, I've learned so much today. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that you were able to join us on the show today, Rekafit. Everyone check out the links in the show notes. And thanks for joining us today. All right. I'll see you, Mutz. Peace. Peace.